again? Yeah, yeah, I can see your face. Hi. Okay, great. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for doing this again. Uh, you're no only going to have to do this four more times. So we're going to lose this audio <laughs> too. It's going to be terrible. And then I'll, I'll email you in a week. And same intro as before. All the things the same since we've already done this once. So okay, great. Super proud of myself. If you want to fire me, I totally get it. Are you ready to go? <laughs> you're ready, ready. Okay. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. <laughs> I'd like to welcome our guest, Sirius XM producer for the She's So Funny channel and generally badass human, Maral. Originally from the great state of New York, Maral is joining us today via Zoom again for the second time to indulge my relentless questions of how it is to be a big shot in the big city. After studying radio and TV production with a photography minor at Montclair University, Maral has been working in the broadcast comedy entertainment industry for 15 years, giving light to the voices of women in comedy. Maral was also fascinated by comedians and local radio DJs, but got her first taste of radio experience in college, which had her fall in love with the energy of being in the studio. She is a true champion for the less represented voices in the male-dominated industry that is comedy. Cough, cough. Maral also interned for a variety of different news and entertainment channels and landed a position as the board op slash associate producer after years of suffering in retail service industry positions. At a very young and influential age, her older brothers introduced her to a station called K-Rock 92.3 FM New York with a host named Howard Stern, which I'm sure no one is familiar with, and the rest is history. So that said, Maral, tell us, how did you get involved with comedy? What made you want to do broadcast media over some other form of media? How many times do people ask you if you've met Howard Stern or know him? Tell us all the things. Hi. Well, thank you so much for having me again. (laughs) I love the way you say my name. It's so perfect. And I appreciate that. So thank you. Okay, why comedy? Comedy. Uh, let's see. I don't know because um, I like to laugh over crying. <laughs> um, I've spent a lot of time and energy in my life crying, mm. lots of tears. So uh, I chose comedy because uh, it definitely helped me out in some dark, dark days in my life. And so, were you? Was media always something? Because I know you have a, a photography minor. So, was media and entertainment was that always something you knew? Hey, I really want to do this thing. You know what? I don't know if I really if I really even knew what I wanted to do, I just, it was just very interesting to me. I mean, like radio, music, uh, I used to think I was going to be a dancer. I never danced except for in my backyard. (laughs) But uh, yeah, like I just, I don't know. I just loved being entertained. And like that just, I was very drawn to like that kind of stuff, right? Like I I didn't really know how to do math. I barely read well. (laughs) Um, Science and history were my thing. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I just was, it was just really cool to see people um, performing, I guess, you know, and I just, it made me feel like this euphoria, this happiness that I don't feel other when, you know, generally like, yeah, when you're a kid, like there's certain things and that's just one of those things that just made me happy. And I was very drawn to it. So I just kind of followed that, you know, and I just, and it led me here. <laughs> now, were your parents involved in entertainment? So this was some nepotism, like, well, this is no, my option. Okay. Please. My, my parents were immigrants. Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely not. My dad owned a body shop. He fixed cars. My mom, far from. The only thing, though, my mom was really into, like, music and Elvis. And, like, she used to write. I didn't know this till a lot when I was a lot older. But apparently she used to write, like, at the time, um, she used to write postcards to some radio station and request Elvis songs. Oh, my God. When he was still alive. And I was like, mom, did you keep those? And she's like, no, because she went, she came to this country when she was 21. So yeah, apparently my mom was like all into like radio and stuff. And she used to do that. But no, they were not. My parents are definitely not in entertainment whatsoever. I don't think my mom was like into sewing. She was a seamstress. She made dresses, all that stuff. But yeah, no, I don't know. Like, yeah, my dad. So, but I, I think part of the whole thing of comedy that I got drawn to is like my dad died when I was young. And so I used to kind of just like, I discovered comedy from like my uncle's house. He used to have cable. We didn't have cable. And uh, I just kind of like was changing the channels one day and discovered like these people talking on stage. And I was like, what is this? And I didn't know what they were saying. I was, Everything was going over my head. Um, but for whatever reason, I just found it to be so cool and interesting. Like these comics, they would just stand in front of a microphone and talk and tell stories and people would laugh. And I was like, that's the coolest. Yeah. And then I discovered uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, thanks to my uncle. And that was it. I was hooked. So I never wanted to stop uh, watching comedy or being a part of comedy. And I seeked out comedy and I seeked out anything that would make me laugh pretty much. So why, why not then become a comic yourself? Like why not be the person with the microphone on stage? Oh boy. Uh, why? Well, because I don't think I have talent. I oh. definitely have. I'm not really good at performing. Uh, <laughs> although I'm very loud and I seem like I'm an extrovert, I'm kind of an introvert. It's weird. Um, and I definitely get nervous and I wouldn't even know what to say. Like, that's the other thing, like this craft of being a comedian, it's just like, it's amazing that people can, you know, not only come up with, uh, the ideas and write, write all the, you know, their stories and, and depending if you're a storyteller or a punchline, either way, it just, it's, it's like, I'm so impressed by it because, and then to be able to perform it by memorization only and get that right, you know, beat and the tone and just, you know, have that, it's just, it's the coolest thing to watch. And I love, I just love the energy that comes with it. And yeah, I don't think I could ever do that ever. okay so you went from like board ops to now you're running quite a bit at Sirius so what was your transition from like board ops to sticking around to like like what got you there a lot of hard work and a lot of hours Um, come on that's honest though come on basically just saying yes yes to anything that I was asked to do when it came to work you know like so I learned how to run a board I learned how to uh I you know produced shows from there just watching the other you know producers and different live shows that we did and I just kind of picked up on all the different things that different types of producers that I would work with and, and um the energy and and what's the difference with being pre-records and and then um just starting to like come up with ideas and, and content creating and like how to produce individual comics how to produce specials how to create and come up with ideas, brainstorming. And then on the, at the same time, um, what I was doing was also like, you know, there would be somebody, there would be a shorthand or, or something. And I'd say, yeah, I'd fill in. And then I'd learn how to do like the technical stuff and operations and, and things that like 
all the behind the scenes stuff that no one's interested in doing. No one's interested in learning. <laughs> uh, no one even realizes that it's actually a thing that has to happen, you know, from just uh, building channels, launching channels to continuously like curating the channels so that there's something to actually listen to on air. And then even how to get the content, how to get the content in uh, properly, um, where you get the content, reaching out to comics, um, developing relationships with different people. So yeah, I just over the years, we just continuously just do all that and say yes and do more <laughs> and ask people to show me different things. And I would try to learn stuff on my own. And, you know, I, when you work for a big company, a lot of times something breaks or something happens and there's nobody, you know, you can't get somebody real quick to come fix you. There's so many other people they're doing. So I had to kind of just like, learn how to do stuff on the fly and figure it out and then fail and sometimes succeed and then realize like, oh, this works, this doesn't. Yeah, so I kind of am in a weird way, which I would never use this term, but I recently felt like this is I am the jack of all trades in this world that I'm in. Yeah, so I produce, I program, I curate and babysit. (laughs) I I do it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's too bad that women aren't funny and we're not good multitaskers because if oh, only no. we were, if, if, if only that were the case. <laughs> imagine, I can't imagine what kind of world we'd live in if yeah. that was the case. <laughs> okay. So how many channels are you in charge of at Sirius? In ch- well, that's, I, okay. Usually what happens, so I'm currently in charge right now of two channels, Okay. but usually what happens is, is uh, an idea or a brand or a content or something either gets pitched or developed. And then I basically am in charge of um, building the channel from scratch. So what I do is everything that you hear or see is either uh, it's built or created by me, put together by me. And then once the channel is launched, I kind of give it away. Not because I don't want to stay on the channel, but because then it's like on to the next, right? Because that's kind of what I'm, what I do. And then we find someone to like take care of the channel. So even though I'm technically not in charge of, more than two channels I actually oversee a lot of the stuff and I help with a lot of things that come up and if there's problems or anybody needs changing or anything that happens they call on me (laughs) doesn't (laughs) sound you know it just sounds easy like everything you're describing it's like it's a breeze okay and what's your favorite part of like do be helping curate comedy uh honestly the, the my favorite part of this is just helping comics out. You know, I think I find co- comedians in comic, you know, stand up comedy be so valuable in life. And I think, especially now more than ever, you know, not to get into politics and all kinds of stuff, but like, you know, the freedom of speech and what that means and what you can say and what you can't say and uh, being offended and cancel culture and all that stuff. I think like comedy is so powerful and it's so interesting to me how people are holding comics and comedians held to a different standard than a higher standard than any other person who's in like, you know, political office or a corporate CEO or something like that. Or, and I'm just like, I find it so interesting because it's like, seriously, this person's job is to make you laugh and make light of a situation to take something that's serious and basically like break it up and poke fun of it. Why are you mad at them? Like that's, you should be mad at the person who's, you know, like, you know, your boss or, you know, whoever, your manager, your CEO, the banker, the, the, the accountant, the lawyer, the real estate agent, whoever is, you know, causing you pain or harm or creating any kind of, you know, turmoil in your life. That's who should be, you should be upset with if they don't speak 
properly or speak clearly to you. Not the comic who's making a joke of the situation, you know? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's like the comics are the easy target because it's like, oh, they're there. They're, they're the, you know, they're they're on social media and they're on TV, whatever. So they're easy just to blame as opposed to like really pointing the finger and blaming the people who are really responsible for all these problems that we have. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, comics, helping comics, working with comics, discovering new comedy. That to me is like the coolest part. And why why do you focus on marginalized voices and giving a platform for people who don't normally get a platform? Well, well first, well, females, obviously, we've always kind of been left behind. What? Uh, being uh, why? Because I think it's just generally like my whole life, I've never really been able to. I was always kind of looked over. I'm a third. I'm the third child of, you know, I have two brothers and I never, and I think still to this day, it's like funny because we'll be in a room with my family and everyone's talking and I'll start a story and I can never get through it or finish it because like six other people interrupt me and they talk over me and it's just become like a joke. But in, in life, that's kind of how I felt growing up. Like, you know, I was just like, I never felt like I belonged anywhere and I never really felt like I had a voice and a, or opinion that mattered. I'm short, you know, I was smaller. I mean, as I age, obviously the pounds just love to be added on, you know? So like I wasn't very visible, so I had to be loud. And then it being loud as a girl, you know, that's not, everyone's like, Oh my God, it's so inappropriate. It's so whatever. Oh, blah, blah. so like, yeah, I was always felt like I, I was muted and, and, I just feel it's important that, you know, women have great things to say. Comics have great things to say. And people should start listening and paying attention to them. So if I can help in any way, facilitate that, then I'm going to do that. And again, not everyone's going to agree with me or my stance on that. But you know what? I don't care. Like, this is a place for people to explore and find comics they like people they appreciate, maybe even comics they don't like, or learn something new about a comic, you know, that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Wow. That's the uh, most honest answer I've probably ever gotten on the podcast. So we're done. Thank you so much. This was so great. <laughs> Holy shit. I like, yeah, the not being visible thing is so relatable. So last question in this section, do you like how, how close are you to Howard Stern? Do you hang out every day? Do you, you know, what's oh, your, no. <laughs> okay I, I mean i've seen him over the years anytime like you know if you're behind the board and he would see you he'd wave say hello uh very cordial very you know nice guy that it uh but i've never really hung out with him i don't know him well um i wouldn't call him a friend he's just somebody that works in the building and just happens to be somebody that i admire that is a very huge has you know had a very big impact in my life but yeah, no, I don't know him that way or anything like that. However, I have made friends over the years, um, some good friends that work on his show, which is so funny because it's just by coincidence, not not because they work on that show, you know? Yeah. So it's just weird how your life goes and the, 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 the I don't know, the I guess the circle of life. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But it's just, it's very interesting because I would never imagine being here and doing what I do today. I think back and I'm like, man, that's so crazy. Like I went, I had a little, uh, this tiny little idea and I made it happen. I love that. So that's weird. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. See, you're talking to somebody in LA. We believe in all that woo-woo shit. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the entrees after a quick break.
We are back. Okay, Maral, it's time for the entrees. Now, this is the speed round of questions. I always call it that. That's that's the wrong thing to call it, you, whatever. But this is where I ask you a bunch of stuff. Feel free to tell a bunch of stories. I'm sure you've got a, a lot to say. You said you have a ton of retail and restaurant experience, so I can't wait to hear about that. So first question in this section, what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out? Now, that could be some people have said babysitting because that's the first job they could think of. Totally fine. But what was the one where you're like, oh, no, I was getting paid to um, do this. So, so uh, I'm trying to, the pizza, yeah, let's not tell anyone. Pizzeria and Chinese food, I don't believe I was getting, ta- uh, Kmart. Kmart, the book department was the first one that they were actually taking ta- my hard earned money away from me. <laughs> Um, I love the, the Kmart experience and how you got into that job. So I'm going to go back to the, the pizza and the Chinese places where you were, it was under the table, but I really want to know how you got hired at Kmart and what you did. Okay. So Kmart, uh, was basically a place where everyone worked in our town, like around our towns. Um, my mom worked for Kmart and it was just kind of one of those things like everybody just applied to work at Kmart. So we had a ton of group of friends and a younger, older, my brothers worked there. Uh, people actually that I know met at Kmart who are still married, which is very funny. <laughs> I worked in the book department at the time. Kmart used to have a book department. Yes. And um, my job was to obviously stock the shelf, make sure the books were in order and stock the shelves. And then what we would do is like, I never really understood why we did this, but like after a certain amount of time, the books would need to be sent back somewhere, I think maybe to the publishing company or whatever. So you'd have to rip the co- the front covers off of the books. And like, that was some sort of inventory. I don't know. I don't know why we did that, but we would rip the covers off and then send the book back. Maybe because if somebody found the book, they couldn't resell it or something. I, I don't know what the purpose of that was. But uh, yeah, so I used to have to do that. Were there romance novels sold in that book section? Like Yes, so those were yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the big that was the big thing. There was like all kinds of books. It was like a like a a small version of a board Borden's Borders. What was Borders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way before like uh Barnes and Nobles was a thing. Well, because um, I don't think people, sorry to interrupt you, in the Midwest, we all know what Kmart was, RIP, but I don't know that everybody knows. It's essentially what Walmart, it, it wanted to become what Walmart now currently is. So think Walmart, but just a slightly smaller, but sort of scattered throughout the country. So yeah, exactly. It's like a Walmart, it was, you know, the 80s version of a Walmart, Target, kind of, a, yeah. And yeah, they had like a book department, they had the electronics, they had everything, food, they had everything you can think of, clothes. But it just was, uh, you know, an old fashioned 80s version of it. You can YouTube, actually, uh, if you want some Kmart commercials. I'll die. And uh, it's actually, (laughs) you'll find some good stuff. I bet. Um, (laughs) They actually taped commercials in our, the Kmart that I worked at. And it was, who was in it? I remember it was Rosie O'Donnell. What? And yeah. And what was, what was the woman that that wrote? I think she wrote or helped direct A League of Their Own. Oh. Penny Marshall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and there was a couple other people, but I definitely remember Rosie being there, and they used to do it also. I remember, yeah. And there was like that was like my first experience of ever seeing like film cameras. I was probably like, uh, like eleven or twelve, and there was like all kinds of stuff, and they would do it for quite like maybe like two two or three summers. 
They would come and film a ton of commercials. Now, I want to go back. So you are first generation immigrant from an immigrant family. You were working at Kmart between the ages of 11 and 12. Is that what I is? Did I just catch that or? No, 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 no. Oh, you were just there. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So because my mother worked there, uh, I was very familiar with the the, uh, property. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, on occasion, like there was really no one home. So I would have to like hang out at Kmart. While my mother worked before I could, you know, that was my babysitter. So the toy aisles were my babysitter. <laughs> but no, no, no. That was, I remember when they were filming, like between the 12 and like the couple years, I was working there freshman. I was a freshman in high school. So it was probably like 14. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's when you could get your working papers. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I don't know if I'm aging myself, but you would like get working papers and then you were allowed to work like 20 hours a week. Wait, so like child labor laws were sort of circumvented by working papers? Yeah, because that, that was the thing. There was no child. It was like, I don't know who signed off. I don't know if the state signed off or the school signed off or somebody signed off and you would be able to work by, at, you know, certain amount of hours. That's crazy. Okay, like, so, but would you, were the, was the pizza place and the Chinese place, were those before you worked at 14 years old at Kmart? Like, how old yeah. were you when you were like working for real? 13, 13 like 12, 13. I had a paper route. I don't I paper around when I was like 10, 11, then 12, and then, yeah, like 13, and then, so the, the, the 14, and then I worked at another Chinese food place in a pizzeria when I was like 17, 16, 17, you know, like, so I've done multiple rounds of different Chinese food restaurants. Apparently, I like takeout. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so like, you know, I started working when I was well, a paper out of time, but I started working at places like places when I was like 13. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was be, that was freedom to get money for the things you wanted and to. Oh, sure. I mean, there was no money. I mean, my, my dad died when I was 10. So like my mom basically started working three jobs cool. and it was like, yeah, if you wanted anything, you had to, there, there was no getting anything. Right. So I had older brothers and I know they had jobs and stuff and they played sports and different things. And I was like, Oh man, you can get, you can work and get money and buy things. And to be honest with you, I used to work and just like a lot of the times I would just give the money to my mom to like bless you, help her buy groceries and stuff like that. Like, so it wasn't even for me. And then as I got older, obviously like I bought myself a car and you know, I put myself through college and I would always, I always had like three jobs, you know, whether it was like, two part-time jobs and a full-time job or like, you know, like two jobs and like going to college or whatever it was. But yeah, I always kind of hustled. That's awesome. (laughs) That's that spirit is something that obviously services what you do now. Okay. So how many customer service jobs could you ballpark roughly how many you had? And I would count the paper route as like number one and then the Chinese restaurant, the pizza place. So that's three Kmart four. So could you ballpark Um, how many you've had? I think I've had 11 service jobs. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Because I was, I worked at two different Chinese food restaurants, a pizzeria, Kmart. Oh, I used to, I used to, after that, after that, uh, once I graduated, no, I'm sorry. I was still in high school. I got a job at a dog groomer's washing dogs. So basically I used to wash dogs' asses for like three years. (laughs) My God. uh, So that was excellent, excellent position I had. (laughs) I'm very proud of that. If you've ever tried to uh, squeeze out a a dog's uh, anal glands, it's so fun. It's. It's fascinating. It smells horrible. And you're going to want to shower for a week straight and vomit at the same time. Wait, why? Isn't that a vet's job? That's not a groomer's job. I I never did it, but the the groomer would do it 
before then. Uh, I never did it. It was disgusting. And I had a, like, I used to gag at dogs who would shit. Like, I don't, I have a problem with shit still to this day. <laughs> Kids, whatever. But I would, like, dogs would shit. Like, I'm not, I'm not picking it up. Ugh. But I would, yeah, I would have to wash dogs' asses. And, like, there were dogs would come big, small, it doesn't matter. Even cats. I got scratched a bit. But they would, the, my favorite was, like, there was a couple people, well, where the area was, was, like, a little bit more affluent and further out like people had like lots of property horses whatever so like sometimes dogs would get into the manure they would get roll into everything and the, the owners would come you know because god forbid they would clean it themselves <laughs> and so like um you know they'd have just they'd smell and be disgusting and i just kept getting like i can't what it's called contact dermatitis it's basically like every allergy you can think of up and down your arms neck and after like my mom's like okay enough is enough you can't work anymore like every day you come home i can't afford doctor doctor's bills for you like you know so that's when i had to quit but uh yeah that was a good job that i had they paid me they they paid me well and they let me do my own hours because i was still in high school wow Wait, so I don't understand with the contact dermatitis. Was that because you had an allergy to dogs or because of the chemicals in the shampoo or oh, like, no. it, it was probably because the dogs were rubbing up against all kinds of crazy shit, right? Like oh. poison ivy, oak, whatever they were outside. And then I would just get it. Right. Oh. So I was like, like whatever it was, I was just constantly getting it. And I'm sure I got some sort of reaction from the soap. I'm sure I, it was all of the above. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So which was your favorite of all of those customer service jobs? Well, actually the one I got after that. So I, I also bartended and I worked at a photo lab for many, 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 many years. That was the job I got after I worked at the dog groomers. And I started there when I was 19 and it pretty much like put me through college, helped me uh, with, through multiple breakups, uh, <laughs> you know, financed my social life. It did a lot for me, that job. Um, and I actually left that job probably only about six or seven years ago. I had still worked there part time while I was doing this just because I was like I, I was addicted to the money. And I also not that it was a lot of money, but just to always have extra cash. And also, like, they basically became like family to me, like the people that I worked with and the owners and stuff. But, yeah, seeing people's um, pictures was probably it was like before social media and Instagram, you know, it was just like. Uh, you get to see what people do on their vacations or in their personal lives because people would bring their film in to get developed. And then they'd also come up for reasons to yell at you for whatever, because you're either overcharging them or like one time somebody dropped off pictures to get developed and the wife came and picked them up. And it turned out that it was actually the husband's pictures, but we didn't know that. I mean, that she just asked, she, she gave us the last name and the phone number. And it turned out that's when she discovered that her husband was cheating on her. No. And man, did we get reamed for that. How's that your fault? Uh, well, I mean, clearly we should have read her mind. We should have read his <laughs> mind and knew that he was picking up. He was dropping off pictures of him and his new girlfriend. Ooh. Um so that's that was an interesting fun one. Wait, so how did um, so, so I, she takes the pictures and she's like opening them in front of you and being like like having a reaction? So she takes the pictures, starts looking at them, and then like loses her mind, throws the pictures back, and leaves. And then the husband comes in, loses his mind on us, calls it an abomination. I'll never forget that. That was like the time I never heard that word. 
I was like, an abomination. Like, why is this? I was like 19. It's just so weird. This is an abomination. Good God. And I was like, oh, is it? And I, was like, <laughs> I, I thought to myself, like, you know, why are you mad at us that you got caught cheating? It's not our fault. Bingo. Like, I wanted to say that so bad. It's like, how did, how would we, it's, these are my pictures. Why would you give them to your wife, my wife? And it's like, I, I don't know. She came and asked, you guys have the same account. How would we, why would you use the same account? Dumb fuck. Like, oh, he was just yeah. mad he got caught. So he, yeah. so that, that's a set of pictures that was like, uh oh, did you ever see like penises and boobies and all the like, oh, sure. Really? Which I always thought was so interesting and funny. And even to this day, as I'm like, I've aged, I'm like, why would you take pictures of yourself? and drop them off at a place. At the time, there was Polaroids. Now there's digital. Let me tell you, when digital started, people still used to bring their little digital card, media card, and put them and ask us to print. And there was naked on there. No. Nobody, yeah, nobody learns. Oh. Oh, I've seen so many things. Like, I basically say that that place, I grew up there. Like, that place taught me about the birds and the bees. I mean, that place taught me everything that, you know, my mom was an immigrant, right? Like, nothing wrong with that but like she came here when she was 21 she had three kids she was married for a few years her husband drops dead she was she just works you know three jobs she's so busy whatever it's like you know and my mom is very like prim and proper like so there's just certain conversations you just don't have or also you don't get into as deep right as people do now you know and uh so like yeah i learned all the things that i was didn't know through friends or school at that job through these pictures. Wait, so you would see a picture of like a penis and you'd be like, uh, and someone else would comment on it and you'd be like, all right, that eventually goes inside of a woman or like, how did that like? I mean, I knew that. I knew that already at that point. But I mean, there was just certain things like, I guess like sexual positions, I guess. Like, oh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> drugs, you know, I guess like drugs, I guess like things about relationships, houses, you know, because when you live in your, your life, right? Like it's so different now. I mean, with social media, yeah. stuff that's on TV, like everything that we have access to, we did not have access to this information, right? right? So you only knew what you knew that was in your home, in your school, in your town, in your neighborhood, or in your church or whatever religious building you went to. But like, you didn't really know what happened like three towns over sure. or like even three states over, right? Like, how would you know? Like, you wouldn't know. So you only knew what you were you, you were exposed to. So like when you're at this place and you're developing pictures and you're looking and you're just like people are going on vacations or people doing the different. It's like you see that now you can Google any picture and find anything out. Yeah. But like, you know, I didn't know what half these countries or Caribbean islands look like. We never went on vacation. We never did any of that stuff. We never left our town. Oh, I get it. OK. So did you ever see anything where you were like, um, I got to call the cops? We did, and we actually did. Um, there's some guy that used to like, uh, it's definitely a fine line. Like, that's the thing. They can't really do much, but like, um, I never saw anything really truly, truly bad, but there was some dude that used to take pictures of people from afar. And now you would think, like, because we, again, it's so funny because social media, like, you walk around the street, everybody has a camera, you're just snapping away, right? So yeah. there's no law. But I guess. I guess if you do it often enough and you do it to the same person, it's considered some form of stalking, Ooh, right? Yeah. But I, I, you know, I always, I think about that. Like, I wonder what the laws would be now if that was the case still, if this place was still in business and somebody were to do that. Because again, with social media and, and everyone having digital cameras, like 
you can take pictures of anything at any point. Yeah, that's anywhere. right. That's right. So yeah, they came and you know they did their little whatever they did. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll move past uh, it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. So of all of your customer service jobs, which was your least favorite? So that so the photo lab was your favorite, obviously. Which was your least favorite? Yeah. Oh man. I probably I worked for a, a, a type of car, so a car, a car brand. Okay. Let's say car brand. <laughs> a brand of car, a vehicle company. <laughs> I worked for a vehicle company. Okay. I just despised that job. What was? Are you able to tell us what you did for that, or will I give it away? Yeah, I can't really get into what I did, but okay. like I can tell you that um, I was a prestigious. Uh, brand. Okay. Uh, luxury vehicles. Okay. The people were awful. Shocking. The clients were awful. Uh, the people I worked with were awful. Uh, <laughs> can I get, I can, I can use that word. Yeah. It was definitely like not, I did not fit in. It was a luxury brand. I did not fit in. I did not have the bank account nor the look. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't thin enough. I didn't have the right clothes for it. And the customers were monsters, monsters. So why even hire you? I mean, like, it sounds like they set you up to fail. Like, why hire you if you're not fitting into the brand? No, to be honest with you, which is the, the, the ironic, or I guess, yeah, was that I really did well at that job and I excelled at the job, right? I did really well and they respected me and they they actually appreciated me and were disappointed. I only worked there for about two years, but they were disappointed when I was, when I left, it was just for me personally, I did not fit in. Like I, uh, I was not, I was not a part of this luxury brand. Like we, we, <laughs> when you look at me, you don't see luxury. That's not <laughs> like, true. <laughs> that's horrific. No, but like, <laughs> I mean, I just don't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so yeah, it was just a weird thing. Like the, the, the people in the place and like, I just, it just wasn't my style, you know, like yeah. I just didn't mesh with them. Sure. I like, I, I'm fun. Like I'm, I have like, I'm lighthearted. I like to have a good time. I like to laugh. I'm, I like to make jokes. I'm silly. I have like a little bit of a, a truck driver's vocabulary, <laughs> you know, I have a loud laugh. Like, yeah, I just, I just did not fit in. So how did you last and, uh, for two years if it felt that shitty all the time? I just needed a job badly. Uh, and it was a great paycheck, man. It was a great awesome. paycheck. And I was really good at faking it. I mean, like, <laughs> I, that's basically your whole life. And my whole life, I had to just fake it. You know, I had to, I had to pretend things were good. I had to pretend that I was happy when I wasn't. Again, where it, come, it comes, the comedy comes into play. Just like, that was like my release. That's mm-hmm. where, you know, I did find happiness. That's where I did find um, enjoyment and like, I thought that it was so cool because, you know, that was, that was some place that, you know, I felt I fit in and that I was comfortable, even though I was, I was just watching it. I wasn't in there doing anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, I, I needed a job and I needed to make it work. So I did. So in that job, was there an incident where they asked to speak to your manager? Cause you said the clientele was shitty. Did they ever sit, try to escalate? Oh my goodness. They would always, no, it was, it, it didn't matter what it was. You didn't have to say anything. They just always wanted to speak to the manager because they did not think they were superior to, right. It's like something costs a certain amount of money and they thought, why do they have to pay? Like rich people, let's, let's be honest here. This is, I, I know this is, I'm not, 
if you have a lot of money, some people who have a lot of money just assume that they shouldn't have to pay for products. Correct. <laughs> it's how they stay rich. Yes. So this is basically the, that, ty- that type of situation where you would do a service, right? And they had zero interest in paying for that service. And then you would have to basically sit there and try to explain it to them and be kind. And, kind. and then they would always want to speak to someone above you because... Even if I was the person above me, they would be looking to speak to someone above me. Just to get out of paying. They just don't want to pay. Jesus. And would it ever work? Would they get out of paying? Uh, not really. I mean, you no. I mean, there's no, there's very rarely a time where they would get out of paying. Sometimes, occasionally, maybe somebody would give them a discount or help them out or, or kind of meet them in the middle. But like, depending on what it was. But no, of course they have to pay. You're paying for a service and a product. It's not just like, you know. You don't go to a store, take a candy bar and go, yeah, but I don't, I'm not going to pay for this. <laughs> okay. You know? Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever so, been asked to do whilst you were on the clock at any of these jobs? Oh, weirdest thing, weirdest thing. From, from employee, uh, from uh, just anyone? Anyone. Oh, man. My memories. Let me think. Weirdest thing. I don't know. I mean, people have asked me to watch their kids. People have like... People used to always be like, can you hold my bag? Like while they were shopping? Like, like personal stuff. Like people would, yeah. And I always thought it was so strange. Like I was just like, why do you think, one, I'm here, I work here. And two, like, I don't know why, why would you trust a stranger with your, your personal kid. belongings or your kid? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, I had a, a customer did, I did leave work one day and there was a customer waiting outside by my car. Ooh, what? <laughs> with like a six pack of beer. What? And I, I was like, ah. And then he's like, oh, you know, I just, and I was like, what? So he, I think he was trying to ask me out on a date. And he was oh. definitely a lot like, I was probably like 20 or 21. So it wasn't like I was a kid kid, but he was probably in his like late 20s. But I looked a lot younger. Like I looked more of a kid, right? Like I just, and he looked a little older. So it just was weird. And I, that was just so odd to me. And I was like, ah, and I parked, we used to have to park in the back of this one place. So it's dark. And I bet there was this guy and he just, just in, Ooh, in the, he, he opened the door and he was just like, and then I, I asked my, my, um, my boss and I, I was like, can I not park back there anymore? Like, <laughs> so I don't get surprise beers from someone trying to trick me into a date. Like, no thanks. Yeah. It was, it was just so weird. But, um, yeah, I've had a, co- a couple of people like, so, you know, it's so interesting how people are so forward. Like I, again, like I'm kind of, I'm not shy, but I'm shy. Like I, there's certain things I just would never say to anybody. Yeah. And sometimes people have like big balls. Like they'll just go up to people and say things that you're just like, what? Like, and and people used to say some shit to me at the ca- at the counters, and I'd just be like, Re- like really? Like, wait, good for you that you could say that, and also, um, no, so inappropriate. <laughs> like Mazel Tov for asking, but like no, like no, I'm not into this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there a last straw at any of these jobs where you were like, flip a table, I'm out, this bitch? You don't strike me as that kind of human. Mm, yes and no like I remember the dog rumors like I had so one set of owners owned the place and then while I was working there maybe a year and a half into it they decided to sell to a new set of owners and they asked if I would stay on and I was a kid so sure and the second set 
weren't, let's, let's just say, as involved as the first set of owners. So they were a little lazy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and like, I ended up having to do a lot of the stuff that like the bosses, like the, the my previous owners would do. And I think I got to the point where I was just like so exhausted. Like, they just kept me like, look, I work hard and I love money. Don't get me wrong. But like, I was working seven days a week, nonstop, ever, like, at, like summers all the time, you know, and then and I think I, I just got like real upset one day and I was like, ah, that's it. I'm done. I quit. And I just like walked home crying. Oh, like, my God. And so you just left. Um, and I left and that was it. I never went back. I was Good. Just like, I'm out. So you had a boundary. Good for you. Finally, after you probably worked there doing yeah. that job for several years. OK. Have yeah. you have you ever been fired? No, I've never been. Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, one time I worked at a dry cleaners and it was for one day <laughs> and I worked there and basically like they had, you know, how the dry cleaners have a racks like where you hang the clothes. Yeah. So you have to like get the, the, the it's like a spinny thing and then you have to pick up the rack, the clothes and give it to the clients. Well, I couldn't reach the freaking racks because I was short. Oh, no. So that was strike one on me. And then the <laughs> registers, they had like old school registers where like, you know, those like uh, oh, the big buttons. In antique stores now yeah. they have big buttons. Yeah. And I, the, the register, the counter was a little higher than me. And like, you have to press the button for the registers. And I didn't have enough strength and my height to like press the buttons. Down. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, I was probably like four. This is like right before I got the job at Kmart. Okay. I was like a freshman in high school. And um, the guy was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. I was like, no, yeah, shit. you're right, sir. This isn't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Okay. And what's an example of either the worst customer you had to personally interact with or an archetype of who would be the worst customer? Oh, so I've, I've interacted with so many kinds <laughs> and so many worst customers. The biggest worst uh, any anyone who's just an arrogant person who doesn't know how to say hello, thank you, who's appreciative of what you're doing. Um, at the end of the day, I get service industry, you're supposed to provide a service to someone, but the someone should also be appreciative of the service you're providing to them. Now, if you're a shitty service provider, I get, um, I have plenty of shitty service providers, but like, yeah, just being kind and gracious and, and saying hello and greeting people with respect and like, you know, I had people come and bang on. Um, I worked at the one place, the luxury place. And this person, client came in, uh, again, didn't want to pay. Shocking. And had chains, like literal, like dog, you know, the dog neck chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, I don't know if he wore them. At, I don't know what. He was like banging them on this metal counter that we had once. And he was just slamming. And he was freaking out because he thought that not only should we, uh, repair what this thing that he wanted us to repair and then also not charge him for it because it wasn't it was not his responsibility for actually physically driving his vehicle into a curb <laughs> i mean i can see um, the argument there <laughs> yeah i mean some of that stuff just made me laugh so hard like people would bang up their their wheels and their tires and they would be like they just want replacements. And I was like, okay, well, you got to pay for them. They're like, absolutely not. And I think about that as an adult now. And I think like, imagine I walked into anywhere. Anywhere. Today. Yeah. Anywhere. Because they're probably about the same age as I am now behaving that way. And I think like, would I ever do that? Could I even do that? 
No way. Oh, it would probably one throw me out or two like handcuff me and call yeah. the cops. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, this is insane because it's insane. Oh, yeah. people. Okay. And last question in this section: Are you are you a tipper? And a, is there a situation if you are a tipper where you would not tip? Oh man, I am a. I'm actually a huge tipper. I'm an over tipper. I think. I feel like it's important to tip because I I know because I've bartended. I've done it all, right? So like, I think it's important to have uh, people that are working hard be appreciated. I. I'm finding myself in this weird position lately with tipping, though, uh, where I'm not sure we should be tipping. And maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like everywhere we go these days, yes. if you use a credit card, yeah. it's asking you if you want a tip. Yeah. And things that we never were asked to be tipped for. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to tip you 15, 20, 25 percent because the coffee I'm paying for is already overpriced at $7 and I don't want it to be 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, so I sound like a terrible person saying that, but I feel like that's strange. Cause like, again, there are places that we never tipped before yeah. that we're now having to tip or being kind of forced to and embarrassed. Like if you don't, but I think like bartenders, waitresses, uh, people who any car, like, you know, valets. So, yeah. They're taking care of you. Not only food stuff and you're you're ingesting a product. Right? <laughs> so you better be tipping them that. Like, right? Like, I don't know. I find that. But yeah, bad service should not be. Sometimes like the, my my um, my friends, my whatever, like I'll give somebody a tip and they'll be like, why? He sucked or whatever. And I'm like, I know, but I think, you know, and I try to make excuses for them. Yeah. But in reality, I think I tip well, too well to a fault. Because uh, again, I'm not a millionaire and I don't make a sh- ton of money. So like, you know, but I just, you know, I feel like I need to, I need people to feel they're appreciated. But yeah. maybe sometimes I think like, you know, they're probably just like what, laughing at me going, look at that dummy. I did nothing. And they gave me this great thing. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We <laughs> hope you saved room for dessert. What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you're working? Well, I mean, I have had, I've actually had somebody give me a tip that they didn't need to at all because it wasn't that type of a job. People have brought like coffees and, you know, cupcakes and donuts. We used to have a Dunkin' Donuts across the street. And it was actually funny because there was two two different types of uh, sets of people. And the one would bring me, bring us these big, large coffees and then, uh, another one brought us and then found out the other one brought us the large and not the smalls. So then it became like this competition between the two. So it was like, who would bring us the adorable, the best, biggest coffee? Yeah. Which job was that where um, they would bring you the coffees? When I worked at the photo photo place. place. That's what I figured. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. just generally like, and what was the job where you got a tip where you were like, I shouldn't, this isn't a tipped situation. At the photo place, same. Girl, I'd have yeah. stayed there too. You got a lot of perks know, right? from that job. 20 years. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, what's the best tip you've ever gotten? It doesn't have to be monetary, but it could. Oh. oh. It can be though. What's the, yeah, monetarily. I mean, I don't know any. I remember a guy gave me, I think it was $100. Damn. When I was bartending, it was like a really dead night. And there was like a part, it was like a place where like, you know, we had party, different events and stuff too. And he came and asked for a drink and then he just gave me a hundred bucks. Hell and yeah. It's just like, you know, 
like real friendly and whatever. Nothing, you know, and he wanted like a drink and a cigar. I was like, he's like, Do you, can I smoke here? I was like, you sure You can? sure can. You can now. <laughs> you, you can. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, what's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service? Oh, man, the best lesson. Well, I think it's just learning to communicate with people, being appreciative of how hard most people work. And then just being gracious and kind and thanking, you know, being thankful and like, you know, I know like if I go into a store or if I go into actually anything that I really do, the person behind the phone, behind the counter, behind the desk, it's a human being, you know? And I know like I was there. That's me. That could be you. That could be your sister, your mother, your friend, your brother. Like I kind of, I guess that's the biggest lesson is learning. Like, you know, a lot of people are so disattached, disassociated with what, other people, you know, Yes. and I think that it brought me closer to realizing that, you know, we're all human and it could be any of us, you know what I mean? And just how to treat people. I love that. Okay. And then what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Customers, I just be kind, be nice, have patience. So easy. You know, everyone's just working and trying to figure it out. Like, so if you're in a store and you need help, like wait your turn, like don't freak out. And if you're in a rush and you need to get something done, don't go shopping at that moment. Thank you. Don't go, don't pick it up. If you need, you know, if you're in a rush to get uh, food, don't go to a sit down restaurant, go to the drive-thru. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, don't make your life's problems our problems. Like we can't help you. And that's why they have therapists. Hello. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, how can people get in touch with you? I imagine you have a lot of socials and things that you probably don't want to like let people know about, but is there a way that people can get in touch with you if need be, or should we just kind of move past that? Yeah, I'm actually really bad at social media. Okay. Uh, I have accounts. I don't really, I'm not very active on them. Okay. No problem. (laughs) But but uh, yeah, I mean, if you want, you can check out my Twitter. It's uh, Maralik, M-A-R-A-L-I-Q. Basically, that means little Maral, uh, just like a nickname. Uh, yeah, so you can check my Twitter out. I have a Instagram, but yeah, again, I don't really... I don't really use it. So yeah, Twitter's where it's at. Twitter's where it's at. Okay. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen, but you're listening on Sirius right now, which we're really grateful for. But it'll help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us directly at Service from Hell, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out so don't be garbage and be good to people it's easier that way and huge shout out to Maral for supporting this podcast and giving us a larger audience and a bigger voice we're super 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 grateful and thank you for sharing so honestly Maral and thanks for being on tonight we appreciate you all right folks that's gonna do it for us here good night Thank you again for doing this. <laughs> oh, no worries. Awesome. Appreciate Thank you for you. having me. Yeah. Well, you're the best. You under oh, your understanding. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs>